You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to A Step Further. This is a Kingsway Christian Church podcast where we want to take what we talked about on Sunday a step further into your life. Today, I want to talk about Bible prophecy. Woo, everybody tuning in either just got bored and tuned out or is really excited what I'm going to say next. What I want to do is take a look at where we ended up yesterday or Sunday and um, try to dig into that for a moment. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees uh, God seated on his throne and he's overwhelmed. Oh, woe was me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. Well, at the end of that, he gets so caught up in the moment that after his lips are cleansed by the live coal coming from the altar and God says, who can we send? Who's going to go? And Isaiah jumps up, here I am, send me, send me, let me go. And God looks at Isaiah and Isaiah 6 and says, okay, but the people are not going to receive it. Their ears are going to be closed. Their eyes won't be open. Their hearts will be hardened. And what's going on now is Isaiah is going to become one of the prophets who warns Israel that God is going to do everything God promised he would do. So God told the Israelites, when you agree to this covenant, if you follow the covenant, I will bless you to a thousand generations. But if you turn away from me and you worship these false gods of the other nations, then I will be forced to do these things. And God is now letting them know through Isaiah, I'm coming to do what I told you I would do all along. And they won't listen. They won't listen. So it's not going to be a fun uh, ministry for Isaiah. And in fact, as it turns out, it's not fun for Israel. When we looked last week at Ezekiel, actually Ezekiel comes after Isaiah because Ezekiel and his people, the counterparts for him, they're living in the middle of the things that Isaiah said would actually happen. So Isaiah is saying all of this, and even though it's going to be bad for Israel, God is giving them hope. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 6. I'll read it for you. So if you're driving, you don't have to open your Bible. Verse 13 says this, And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. Well, there is bad news. But as a terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Okay, so what in the world are we talking about? Don't you love Bible prophecy? Well, part of what we're getting is, imagine this picture. You've got a tall oak tree. We and uh, and an axe is being laid to the to the oak tree. The oak tree is now going to fall down, and what's left behind is a stump. Well, you're looking at the stump, and you're going, "Well, the tree is dead. That that's just no longer doesn't exist anymore." And that's how it's going to look when people look at Israel. But there's a holy seed that's going to be the stump in the land. And you're just kind of getting a taste of it. What's happening? Hmm, something else is coming. Well, jump over with me to Isaiah chapter 11. And Isaiah 11, God picks up this analogy and he builds on it some. And Isaiah 11 verse 1, it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Oh, there's so many Bible things to connect. And, and only my 10-minute time, I don't have time to connect them all. But real quick, what's happening is Jesse is David's dad. If you don't understand Bible history, then you may not understand all those names I threw up. David is the King David. He was the second king of Israel, but the king who was after God's own heart. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God told David, one day you'll have a descendant who will sit on your throne and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And many of the Israelites misunderstood that. They believed that that meant there would always be an Israelite king seated on the throne. And that was confusing for them because when God led them through this season, they were wondering, well, where's our king? Is our king on the throne? Is, he, is this God still going to do what he always said he would do? And God is letting them know, yes, I'm always going to do what I said I would do, but the stump of Jesse, of his root, and a branch is going to bear fruit, it's it's now pointing to somebody else. 
The kings have all been taken down. There's no king on the throne. But God is faithful and will fulfill his promises. These are pointing us to Jesus. How do we know? Well, when Matthew and Luke come along and they write their gospel and they do these genealogies in the beginnings of their gospels, they're all connecting the dots. Go read it. They're showing you so-and-so is the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so, and they go all the way back to David. Why are they going back to David? Because they want you to know Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies that you received 700 years ago, a thousand years ago. Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. And we learn something about Jesus in these texts. So look at verse two. Verse two, it says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I wish, again, whole sermons are given on that one verse alone. I don't have time for all that. But what I do want to say is um, what we're beginning to get a view of is Jesus's ministry, of Jesus's kingdom. What is it going to look like? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and he'll fear the Lord. He'll live in the fear of the Lord. These are great things. This is what you want in a king. A king who is wise and understanding, a king who can offer wisdom and strength and protection, and Jesus is all of those things for you. So think about it. If Israel is being disciplined because they are refusing to follow after the Lord, to love the Lord, to obey the Lord, to trust the Lord, why? And why do we still struggle with that today? Do we not believe he's wise? Do we not believe he's understanding? Do we not believe he can protect us and provide for us? Do we not believe that his ways truly are the best ways? It says next, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. So again, what Isaiah is prophesying is when this king comes, his kingdom will be like none other and his kingdom will be perfect. It's everything you've been looking for. Every nation of the earth, every people in every nation of the earth are crying out for this. True justice, a true government that will lead without greed, a true government that will lead with righteousness, somebody they could truly lean into and trust that will do the right things, the things that are best for the people and not judge simply based off what they see or simply based off what they hear, but will judge based off truth, that will judge based off righteousness. And that is what this king will be. That is what Jesus is. And he goes on even further. And he begins to give these analogies, these powerful analogies. He gives like four or five in a row. And in this kingdom, it'll be like a wolf who can lie down with a lamb and a leopard's going to lie down with a goat and a calf and the lion are going to, in a yearling, are all going to lie down together. And the little children will lead them along. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. All these things are describing a kingdom that is full of unbelievable peace. Can you imagine even peace into the animal kingdom where these animals that would destroy and eat each other will actually walk side by side with no fear whatsoever? And then he goes on, and it's not just a picture of the animal kingdom, but oh, by the way, he says in verse eight, the infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That whole thing as the waters cover the sea is just an analogy. It's just a picture. As sure as the waters cover the sea, as sure as that happens, this will happen. 
When Jesus comes and when his kingdom reigns and when we are doing what God has asked of us, there will be such unbelievable peace. It will be felt by all. There will be literally no fear. What would change in your life today if you lived without fear? Imagine being a husband who has no fear, a wife who has no fear, a child who has no fear. Imagine what you would do in everyday life, the decisions you would make if that kind of peace and freedom were yours. And here's the thing, it is yours in Jesus Christ. You can live with no fear because that's the king who is over the kingdom. Today, maybe what you need to do is draw near to your heavenly father and just be really honest and open with him and confess to him whatever fears, whatever anxieties are eating at you and just say, God, I want Jesus to be my king and I want to trust him the way Isaiah encourages me to trust him in chapter 11. God, help me to conquer my fears with faith today. I pray this was encouraging to you and we will see you next time. God bless.